I wonder if I could make it. It's almost getting to 8 o'clock p.m. And I am still a few more steps away from home to get to my computer to listen to CNT Radio's Cosmopolitan Culture Club. The best of the best music from around the world. Can't wait! I think I made it! CNT Radio. Making your day brighter, one song at a time. What a busy traffic on this Friday evening. I am almost stuck in this traffic for the last 40 minutes. And there is no way, I think, for me to get to the show. The Sienity Radio Song Bank. Which is going to start very shortly. It's one of my favorite shows. And my, my, what a way to wind down for the weekend. Perfect two hours of fun-filled music. And she has so many great features. Sound of Music. Undercover. Foreign Exchange. Name that tune. And the big wheel that she spins. For who's that? Or where are we? We cannot forget about the international stage. I have never come across such a great show in my life. I think I will have to press hard on my accelerator and go as fast as I can to get home in time. Wow! Wow! Look! I made it! I am almost there! Sienna t Making your day brighter, one song at a time. Welcome to Broadcast Map. This is the show. I cover the world of broadcasting, sports media, and from time to time, my favorite sports teams. Here is your host, Ali Musa. Welcome to the beginning of the week show here for broadcast map this is interesting this is great we've got a, i have a beginning of the week show and an end of week show so looking forward to all that my name is ali musa last week of february here on this uh, day of the recording here and uh, i am joined today by former broadcaster and currently voiceover current voiceover talent 
Mark Scott. I remember Mark from his radio days. Mark, thank you so much for um, taking some time to join me today. I really appreciate you taking some time. Man, my radio days. That's That's been a minute since I... Uh... Since I was on the air the last time. I miss it every once in a while, though. Awesome stuff. Yes. Um, yeah. No. So can you um, can we start? But I'd like to start by uh, telling uh, us about that. If you don't if you don't mind, if you can just tell us about your radio days and then we can sort of talk about that and then kind of get into some of the stuff you're doing today. But let's start with the radio work. Yeah, my radio career started. I, you know what? I had to think about this before the interview. I was like, geez, when did it start? So I believe it was 1995 well, you, you, when you I did were prepared. my. You saw this coming. Yeah. It's like, he's going to ask me, and I'm going to have to remember dates and stuff. So I, I think it was 1995, actually, when I did my first uh, when I did my first stint. And it was actually as. Well, I appreciate you following me, though, Mark. Yeah. It, it, it was actually a, a high school co op that I did at 1470 C. Howe in Welland, Ontario. So. That was an interesting story because at the end of the summer, the high school had reached out to me and said that they had not been able to find a placement for me for radio and that the only station that was willing to take me was this station in Welland, which was about a 45 or 50 minute drive from my house. Uh, and so they asked me if that was okay, if I was willing to do it. And at that point, I just, I wanted to be in radio so bad, I didn't care. So I said, yes, I will do it. I will drive. Uh, so I took this this co-op uh, at, at 1470 C. Howe in Welland. And I remember I met with Pete Marina, who was the program director at the time. Um, might even actually still be there. And uh, he said, what do you want to get out of this co-op? And I said, well, before I'm done, I, I want to get on the air. He said, well, I'm going to tell you right now, we don't put co-op students on the air. We've never put co-op students on the air. So I just want to you know set that expectation for you out of the gate. And I said, okay. I think I was probably there for about a month before I started voicing commercials for them. And before I finished out that first term as a co-op student, I was actually filling in on some weekend shifts. So I, I, I guess I got to prove them wrong. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting how that uh, sort of um, kind of, kind of portrays. And then, so after that, what happened? I guess we're going Toronto Mike style now. I did uh, <laughs> I did two co-ops, ended up working two semesters uh, at CHOW as a high school student. And then they actually hired me on over the summer. So this would have been 1996 now. So they hired me on over the summer of 96. And I did some weekend shifts. I actually filled in on the morning show for a few weeks uh, when uh, the morning man at the time, Brian Salman, had gone away on vacation. Um, and then I ended up getting my first full-time radio offer from CHNR hits 160, so it was AM 1600 in Simcoe, uh, Ontario, and that would have been in uh, 1996, the end of 1996. And I still remember the complete and utter look and feeling of disappointment on my face when I opened up the job offer because you know at that point I'm what 18 years old or something, and I'm of course assuming that I'm going to be on the radio now, so I'm going to be rich and famous, and I will never forget that first job offer and realizing that it was probably going to work out to about the same, if not a little bit less than what I was making working part-time at a gas station as a high school student. So uh, there was, there was a reality check there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it too. And then, um, and then eventually then, um, 
And then eventually, I remember you ended up at uh, you ended up in Brantford eventually. I did, yeah. So I worked in Simcoe for not quite three years, I think. And then I actually went to television for a while. I got a I got a job offer uh, working for a company called World Class Communications. They worked out of the Crossroads Center in Burlington. And so I, I worked there for two or three years. Uh, I hosted a couple of different television shows. I hosted them via voiceover uh, and worked as an editor on a couple of other television shows. Um, from there, while I, was in, while I was at Crossroads, I ended up going to Joy 1250 in Oakville. Uh, and I worked there for a little while. I did an evening show at Joy 1250. Uh, I also did some freelance stuff for Life 100.3 in Barrie. Um, syndicated couple of syndicated shows that I, I did with them. And then uh, I went to, geez, where did I go next? I went to Peterborough. I was in Peterborough for a while at a station called Chaos 99.5. I did a couple of years there. Then I came back. I was off the air for a while. Ended up getting a job in Brantford. So I worked at CKPC in Brantford. Uh, it was FM 92.1 at the time. Um, worked now, there this for... Was before, this was before Evanoff took over, correct? Yeah, I was there during that transition, actually. Right, yep. Yep. So I I, I had the, the privilege of working at the Jewel. Uh, totally changed the way I operated as an announcer because the format totally changed with it. And it's a, a good lesson in being able to adapt when you're uh, working at a radio station in the, in the format flips. And so I, I had done country radio. I had done pop radio. I had done uh, adult contemporary radio and, and then doing the jewel format was like a totally different kind of laid back chill, just kind of relaxed and, so I did that for a few years, and then uh, I had the opportunity to go to Hamilton, uh, do afternoon drive at K-Light, and that's where I thought I was going to retire, and I actually told them that in the job interview. They they asked me about what my, what my aspirations were for radio, and I said, look, I'm not one of these guys that wants to get to Toronto or, you know, some major market. That's not my, my end goal. Uh, I'm perfectly content to spend the rest of my career working right here in Hamilton. This is, this is gold for me, uh, and they liked that. And they kept me for six months. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I remember that actually. Um, and so, like, I think they were owned by uh, by Astra. I think this was before the Bell Media takeover. That was I was a part of that transition as well. So, oh, the Bell Media takeover too. Well, because so what uh, the way I the way that it was explained to me was at the time it was Astral. Uh, Astral was getting ready to sell to Bell. You know, I guess negotiations were happening at that point or something. Right, I don't know yeah. for sure. Um, and and so, you know, they got to make bottom line look a little bit better. And so, you know, here comes the layoffs. I, I think that's a rite of passage in Canadian radio. If you have not been laid off by Bell or Rogers, I don't think you've ever had an official career in broadcast in, in Canada. I think that's kind of the rite of passage. And so uh, despite the fact that I had just started and was number one in the ratings and all of that, um, I, I got downsized uh, along with a whole bunch of other incredibly gifted and talented people. And that was the end of radio for me. That was the point when I decided if I can be number one in my market and still not have job security, this is not a career that I want to be a part of anymore. Oh, so that's okay. So I see that is sort of when you, when you realized that, that, that this is not what this is really not like you like, you saw where the industry has been, you know, was going. And 
it almost safe to say that it's gotten a lot worse now. Like, oh my just gosh! Look at the Bell Media cuts from a couple of weeks ago. I, I am so glad I got out when I did. I I was so blessed when I worked in Simcoe. Yeah. So my first full time job in Simcoe. This is 1996 to 1998. I was there. Okay. We were live 24 seven. Like there are a lot of people who will never know what that is like or never remember what it was like to have a live announcer on the air 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it was fun. It was so much fun. And I remember doing morning radio in Peterborough and we were a little scrappy independent station trying to trying to make a name for ourselves and and doing some crazy things to have some fun and and you know get attention and and it was some of the most fun that I had ever had working in radio and when I got to K-Light it was really fun in the start we went through a general manager change shortly after I started and then the consultants come in and, you know, I don't want to say anything that's going to get me in trouble, but I, I, in my experience, when the, as soon as the consultants come in, that's, that's usually when the fun stops. <laughs> and I think that's like, see, and, and I mean, that's sort of it, right? See, I mean, I don't think oftentimes you kind of realize that what it is that you really want to get out of something, see, I mean, of course, now with all the, with with all, you know, with everything around now, places like broadcast dialogue and places like that, where you can find out what's going on in the industry, which I do, um, which, uh, which I do, I do keep up with those sources, with those places. Um, Is Milkman still a thing? That was always the one back in the day was Milkman Unlimited. I I thought he still had a blog. I don't I, I, I don't know I because I don't keep up anymore but I mean I used to be on that site every single day that was like the go-to place for all the information back in the day yeah and you know what and, and I think that's it too right that um I think he's still around I haven't seen I I mean he used to have a podcast too well I'll see I unlimited podcast I feel like I see now I'm making myself feel old because I'm like holy crap it's been a while since I've done this whole thing and, and I've been out of the game for a while but it was, I, I do not regret my time in radio. Uh, it was the thing that I had wanted to do ever since I was a little kid, but I watched the industry change so much. I watched it change so much. Consolidation changed it so much. You got a couple of companies that own all of the stations and yeah. they're not really operating for their listeners. They're operating for their shareholders. Yeah. And so you've got, you know, two people in the building maybe if you're lucky you get a live morning show and maybe a live drive show and everything else is syndicated or voice tracked or you know john tesh this or whatever it was even back in the day and it just it it just wasn't it wasn't the same anymore i got into i i had the privilege of being a part of radio when they still wanted personalities and and I think that's probably one of the things that has changed a lot is, you know, by the time I was done, I was a liner card reader. Everything that I was supposed to say was written on a card and handed to me. And I had either 15 or 30 seconds to say it and get back off the air again. And it just wasn't it wasn't what I had signed up for in the beginning. And and so uh, walking away at that point, it was it was an easy decision uh, in that, it you know, it just radio wasn't 
what it used to be and it wasn't what I had fallen in love with, but it was still hard to walk away from that dream that you'd had since you were a kid. Exactly. Yeah. Now, see, did you find there was a difference, though, like, say, between, see, when you went over to K-Lite and then while you were with uh, Evanov there, in that time period, did you find that there was a difference working for, like, or being a part of the Evanov family and being a part of what was K-Lite when you joined, which, of course, is all, which then changed over to Bounce and now... It's one of the ones that's going to be, uh, for uh, that's one of the ones uh, that will be sold too. Yeah, I think when I was in, when I was in K Light, because nothing had changed officially yet, it was still a really buzz. You know, there was a lot of buzz in the building. You had a twenty Cham, you had all these eleven fifty, you had K Light, you had lots of staff, lots of announcers, lots of live shows, uh, lots of remotes constantly stuff going on which Evanoff kind of felt like that at the time too when I was in Brantford it was a very full radio station like from a staff standpoint a lot of people were surprised at how many people we had on staff you know full newsroom and live announcers up until uh up until the evening shift and and uh so the, there was they were comparable in that regard the change the big changes where they started you know everybody started getting canned and they started getting everything automated that all happened mostly after I left K-Lite. So I'm kind of glad that I missed that part of it. I think I was kind of like round one of the of the layoffs that were getting prepared for that. But I was having fun when I was was at K-Lite. And like I said, I, I really thought that was the place where I was going to work yeah. until I retired. Yeah, and of course, uh, uh, and of course, there were a lot of, even even your time at the Jewel there, which was, which is now, of course, Light 92, um, there were a lot of good people on air at the time there. Yeah, for sure. There was a lot of talent in the buildings. I mean, even at even in Brantford, we had two stations operating out of the building. We had the AM side and the uh, and the FM side, and so you know, full and out staff and full newsroom and this big sales team, and you know, it was still it was still good times. I think it was probably the 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 end of some of those good times. I mean, the, the industry's changed. The world has changed around it. Right. It, and that's part of it too. We blame it on Sirius XM or streaming services or Spotify or that's Apple music or whatever great service, by the way. Oh, Hey, that's all I listen to anymore. It's a great service. Honestly, yep. it really is because see, you know, the thing is, is that, uh, and podcasting and Apple music, of course, you mentioned Spotify, their podcast, you see, it's like, you know, like, see, you get, you see the, what I, what I like, is yep. um you get what you want when yep. you want. I want to yep. listen to I want to listen to a Penguins game. I can do that. Yep. Launch the Series XM. I want to listen to NHL radio. I can listen to that. Yep. Yeah, right? it's true, and that's uh, I think that has certainly been a part of it. And I think I just kind of felt like maybe radio wasn't adapting. I think they were trying to hold on. It well, felt like at times like they well, were trying it. to hold on to the old way. And, you know, people were moving away from the old way. It's and and that's not look, it doesn't doesn't just apply to radio. That's this is any industry, any business you adapt or die. Like if you don't shift with the market and shift with your customers, then you're you're going to be in trouble. See, yeah, no. And see, I don't, I don't, know, if you, I don't know if you saw it, but I actually at the, a couple of months ago at the time, I actually um, um, an article had come across my feed from um uh, somebody actually um, that uh, who was actually one of my uh, an instructor of mine at uh, back almost ten years ago, 
uh, more. Um, the article who uh, I will be having a conversation with on uh, Thursday, so stay tuned for that. Um, with uh, and it's actually called uh, it was called unlearning and adapting to change, mm. and um, the article and there were a lot of things in there that need to be that companies uh, one of the things were is that you know is that to in order to retain talent and this is sort of the way radio could sort of think of it too that you have you treat one of the things that treat others the way you want to be treated yep and that that's a lesson as old as time itself yep yeah so now let's actually get into the uh, voiceover, uh, your your current stuff now, your voiceover business. I was actually listening to last night. Actually, I was listening to your the the previous episode that you did. I don't know if you've put one out before um, since we came on air here, but um, with uh, it was with Pat, the one I was listening to from last week. So yep. you were talking about the voiceover sort of the um, the business and all that stuff. Do you want to talk about um, how that came about and some of the things that you do now? Voiceover was one of those things that I mean, I started doing voiceover when I started doing radio. I just didn't realize it at the time. Yeah. One of your responsibilities for the most part when you're working in radio is doing production runs. And so I had to come in every day, uh, pretty much every station that I worked at. I, I had to come in an hour or half an hour or an hour or half an hour before my shift every day and voice whatever commercials they had stacked out for me. And so that was the very first thing that I did when I was working at the radio station in Welland back in 95 was, was voicing commercials. So it was something that had always been there. I just didn't know, always realize it at some point. I want to say it was well, I probably while I was working in Brantford. Mm -hmm. So it would have been, I don't know, 2008, 2009, somewhere, maybe somewhere in there. Um, I discovered a, uh, online casting. So there were, there were websites where you could go, and they posted voiceover jobs and you could audition for these voiceover jobs. And that's kind of when I put the pieces of the puzzle together, like, oh, wait a minute, there's a there's a way to make a little bit of extra money doing this. And I mean, I had done some stuff here and there for network connections when I was in broadcast, but I just never really seen it as a business or, a you know, an, an, an industry. So I started doing some online casting, started making a little bit of extra money, which, you know, anybody that's worked in radio knows it's always nice to have supplemental income. Uh, so I was doing the doing the voiceover thing uh, part-time just to, to make some spending cash or whatever. When things came to an end at K-Lite, I had a decision to make. I had multiple offers to, to get back into radio, uh, different stations from here to British Columbia, and I, I had to think long and hard about it. But after, I don't know, probably after a few weeks of sitting around kind of feeling sorry for myself and you know mourning the end of my job and whatnot, I, I realized, you know what? I think if I really devoted myself to this voiceover thing, I, th I think I could probably make a go of this. And so that's ultimately what I decided to do. So my first year full-time in voiceover would have been 2012. That was my first full year. Uh, my, my job in K-Lite came to an end in, in 2011. And I, like I said, I sat around for a while and felt sorry for myself and and mourned and moped and whatnot for a while and didn't really do a whole lot at the end of the second half of 2011. But yeah, 2012 was my first year full-time. And I, it's incredibly motivating when you are unemployed, but you've still got bills to pay. Uh, and yeah. so 
that that could be a really really strong driving force to to get things done and that was a, a big part of my motivation to to build my business and that's what i've been working on ever since is just trying to trying to make that happen and then i don't know probably around 2015 or 2016 maybe uh i i started getting more and more people reaching out to me asking for advice because they were watching how I had grown my business and I had blogged the whole entire thing. And I ended up working as a coach, which was never part of my plan or part of my intention, but the market just kind of dictated it. And so I've been, I've been doing that as well. And, and I absolutely love having the opportunity to work with voice actors and, and helping them to grow their businesses. Okay. So, uh, and, and you're doing, a, and you know what? I, I really, I've been enjoying your work too. I, I thank you. No problem. You know, I, I you know, I, I um I like the podcast and I hope you'll continue to do that. Yeah. I'm that was also something that I never thought I was gonna end up doing was being a podcaster, but now here we are, you know, we're almost what two hundred and some odd episodes and almost or just over three hundred thousand downloads and people are still listening. So um and I'm having fun doing it. So I, I here we go. We keep we keep doing the thing. Yeah. I think I'm over a hundred too. Doesn't take long if you if you're producing consistently. I, I think I'm over a hundred. Maybe uh, perhaps you can maybe maybe uh, take a look sometime. Um, I think I'm over a hundred now. Right on. Uh, um, um. So another thing. So okay. So here's the thing now. Um. So when you coach, um, what is one? What are maybe a, um three things that you tell people looking for advice? So my coaching is focused exclusively on the business and marketing side of things. Okay, so tell us, okay, so tell us about how that, how, okay, so tell us how you do it. Yep. So I, uh, I realized pretty quickly as I was attempting to grow my own business, that that's exactly what I was doing, that I was, I was growing a business. Voice actors tend to be creative by nature. We want to be in the booth. We want to be recording. We want to be doing the voice acting side of things. And we don't think about the business side of things. And it occurred to me, uh, while I was working to grow my business, that there's actually a lot of business involved in this. You've got to understand sales. You've got to understand marketing. You've got to understand uh, at least ha at least have a basic understanding of accounting and financials. And you've got to be able to do customer service and social media and and all of these different things. And so these were all lessons that I was learning for myself to be able to successfully execute in my own business. And those became the things that I ultimately started working with other voice actors on. And so I ended up creating a brand called Vopreneur. And the concept of that brand is pretty simple. You're a voice actor and you're an entrepreneur. You're So you're a Vopreneur. And that's, I mean, you said three things. I could tell you the one most important thing is just getting voice actors to realize that they aren't just voice actors. That That's step number one, to recognize that when you choose this path, you are choosing to start a small business and you are choosing an entrepreneurial lifestyle and you need to understand all of the things that go along with it. And I think that it's the ones that get that are the ones that have the best shot at success. The ones who just push that off to the side because they just want to be in the booth and in front of the microphone. Uh, I'm not saying those people can't succeed. I'm just saying, I think they're probably going to have a little bit more of a of a harder road to get there. So, so step number one is just recognizing that you are absolutely a small business. I think step number two is embracing self-marketing, uh, which is a thing that I think everybody struggles with. We, we don't want to 
we don't want to promote ourselves. Uh, we don't want to, we don't want to sound arrogant or we don't want to sound cocky or, you know, nobody wants to come across as a used car salesman. And so a big part of what I work with voice actors on is, is helping them to realize that marketing is essential. You've got to have every, everybody's got to know you're out there. The more people that know you're out there, the more people that listen to your demos, the more opportunities you potentially create for yourselves, but you don't have to be a used car salesman to, to make that happen. Uh, so the marketing side of things I think would, would be the next. And then one of the other things that I teach now, which I never intended to, but it's become one of the most important parts of what I teach is the mindset side of things. You can have the the greatest demos and the best home studio with the fanciest equipment, and you can be the greatest salesman on earth. But if you do not have confidence in yourself and your product and in your service and if you have negative narratives around what you're trying to do, those are always going to work against you. They're always going to uh, throw up roadblocks and find ways to hold you back. And so just getting your head right, getting your head in the game is such a huge part of this as well. I always feel the key thing here is that, you know, when you deter when, when a person is determined that this is what they want to do, you know, you have to, you know, you have to work at getting yourself out. You have to work at getting yourself out there and just mm -hmm. honestly keep doing it. Consistency over time. Yes. That's it. That is the secret to success right there. It's yes. consistency over time. Exactly. Yeah. No. I would love to tell you that there is something much more deeper and profound. Um, but from my experience, it really is that simple. It's consistency over time. You know, and, and, and I've done that myself, too. Show up every day, right? Whatever you're doing. If you're doing a podcast, show up every day and do the podcast. Do another interview. Put out another episode. Yep. If it's voiceover, show up every day. Submit a few more auditions. Put a few more people in your funnel. That's just, it's consistency over time. You know, and, and you know, and, you know, and, and I, and I, you know, and I do some of that, too. You see, like, when I, when I put out there, so-and-so's, and, and you've probably seen some of the stuff I put out there that, um, that uh you know on on who's coming up or what's coming up on the shows and different things like that yeah and that creates accountability too right now you've put it out there publicly so people are expecting it now you got to deliver exactly yep yeah and see and and i um you know and of course and you know and, and you know and, and i you know and i and i put out there that you know that you're going to be here today and and it will go up later today no later than tomorrow mm -hmm. right so so people See, and that's the thing. People can count on me to deliver the information and count and deliver it when it's going to be delivered. Right? See, I think the key also is, is that, you know, you always have to have, you know, you have to, the old thing is, is um, follow your heart and follow your dream. That's yep. always what I look at. Yeah. No, there's a lot of truth in that too. Uh, it, it's a lot easier to produce, pursue something that you're excited about or passionate about or something that you've got a goal to, to ultimately achieve. That's part of where you draw your, your motivation from, I think. Yep. And, uh, right. See, and well, that, that was it for me, right? See now, see, I knew too, I always wanted to, um, uh, to host it. I always wanted to, I always wanted to host my own talk show. Mm -hmm. Well, now you do. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> we go so it's interesting now see i want to sort of circle back to now your time at evanov at the jewel there which was called 
There were a lot of good people there. Suzanne Joyce was there at the time. Yep. I don't know if she, I haven't. I don't know. I don't even know if she's in broadcast. I don't think she's in any kind of. I don't know if she's in any kind of broadcasting or media anymore. Yeah, I'm not sure if she is. Uh, uh, Melissa was there. Melissa was doing. Uh, Melissa, who's now at um, KX in Hamilton. I think she's still there. Yep. So there, there was a few. Uh, I think I think Ed's moved on now. Ed was doing the morning show at the yeah. time. But uh, yeah, there. I mean, Ken there was Chambers. a. Do you remember Ken Chambers? Yep, there was a lot of there was a lot of talented people there. They had a they had a really good lineup of of people, and uh, and I appreciated the fact that we we were still doing a good chunk of live radio, which was yeah. nice. And I mean, they still kind of do like there. They still kind of do there at least during the um, during the uh, the weekdays. Mm-hmm. I think it makes a difference. I think that's yeah. part of what part of what radio, particularly local radio, part of their value proposition is their ability to deliver up to date information consistently. And when you only have one or two people that are on the air throughout the day, or you know, you you got somebody coming in at ten o'clock in the morning who's voice tracking the afternoon or evening shift or something like yeah. that your information is not accurate it's not up to date you can't even give them a local weather forecast for crying out loud well if i can't get a local weather forecast that's half of what people tune into local radio for so i think you just i think ultimately you, you hurt yourself when you take away that live component and i mean for me as an announcer i fed off of the phones i loved when people would call in and i was able to interact with listeners and, and do that sort of stuff and that was something that ultimately it seemed like everybody was trying to get away from as well. Yeah, no, it, it's so true. Right. And I think, in a, and, and also where it becomes, um, yeah, a thing where it, you know, you want to sort of, but now you can get weather reports, but now you can just get them on your iPhone. It's true. Right. Just the weather app or something. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways. And that's why I think it's so much more important for radio now to, to, up their game because there's too many other ways to make it replaceable. I, I would hate to see the medium go away, but sometimes it feels like that's where we're headed ultimately. You know, but even like, see, even for um, like, even like, see, unfortunately now it's become how do you, you know, how they can save the most money. And yep. I think that's yep. honestly, it's certainly it's honestly, it's, it's hurting the quality. And then they're wondering, well, the revenues are down and all that stuff. Well, if you, if you aren't in, you see, you know, I don't know, like, see, and of course when the bell media cuts, I don't know if you saw, I know you said you mentioned you don't keep up much with that stuff, but whether you saw that, that, that a couple, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, when the cuts happened, that quote from their lawyer there, Robert Malcolmson saying, quote, it's just not a viable business anymore. Quote, First of all, he's a lawyer, and I don't understand where he gets that from. And the other thing is, yeah, it could have been viable if you tried. I mean, I, I'm i not in the industry anymore, so I don't, you know, I don't consider myself to be an expert on it. But it felt to me like when I was there, what no, I watched was no, the erosion of the on-air product. Yeah. And, and that's what you're selling. And if you are eroding the on-air product, then you have nothing left to sell. If, you're, if your on-air product is not good, then your ratings are going to 
reflect that. And if your ratings reflect that, your sales are going to reflect that. And if your sales reflect that, your revenue is going to reflect that. And so it all comes back to the on-air product. And yet it felt like when I was there, and again, I haven't been there since, you know, my last radio job was 2011, but it felt like even at that point in time, the very first thing to get cut was always something on air. And I just never understood it, but maybe that's why I was never... Maybe that's why I was never an upper management. Maybe I'm just not smart enough to understand the inner workings of it all. But it just seems to me like if you erode your on-air product, everything trickles down from that point. So, yes. Yeah. So, and as we sort of, what's what's at last, what's one, maybe one more tip that you would like to um, give to somebody who wants to, who is looking to becoming or wants to become a voiceover talent? It's not as easy as you think, and it's it's not as easy as some people make it sound. So I think you have to be careful because you can go on the internet and you can find a lot of people who are hawking a lot of different programs, and they'll promise you, you know, buy my $500 program and I'll teach you how to become a voice actor in a week. Buy my $1,000, buy my $10,000. There's somebody out there now hawking a $20,000 program, uh, and I'll teach you how to be a, a successful voice actor. It's a hard it's a hard road to get into. And I'm not just saying that because I don't want competition. I'm saying that because I've been there and done that and experienced it and, and invested a lot of money in my career and invested a lot of money in my studio and my training and my demos and, and all of that sort of stuff. I think a lot of people are afraid of AI and and what AI is going to do to the voiceover industry. And obviously that's something that I'm paying attention to myself, but I also know that, or maybe I want to believe maybe naively, but I want to believe that there's still a place for the human touch in voiceover. Honestly, there is. Yeah. I, I And I think as long as you are good at what you do, you focus on the acting side of things. I mean, at this point, synthetic voices still can't act. Uh, so yep. as long as you focus on the acting side of things and, and really developing the ability to tell a good story, yes. I think that that's going to make... Uh, it's going to give you longevity for however long that longevity lasts until the robots have ultimately replaced us all. But uh, just be very cautious if you're starting out. It, you got to get connected to the right people. And I think this is not just true of voiceover. This is true of any industry. One of my yeah. favorite favorite lines is, is be careful who your teachers are. Exactly. Yep. No, I agree with that. Well said. Good advice there. And um, have you ever done audiobook narration? Audiobooks scare me half to death only because of the commitment that is required. Yeah. Uh, I have so much respect for for voice actors that do audiobook narration. I've got some friends and some colleagues that do it, and I just stand in awe of them. Their ability to show up in the booth every day for a month and record for an hour or two every single day continuously, maintaining character, maintaining continuity in the voice and in the read and in the delivery. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of people tried it. A lot of people try to do it. Uh, it's It's a lot harder than people think. Uh, and there is a special skill set that is involved in that. And it is a it is a genre of voiceover that up to this point, I have mostly avoided. Oh, but but it, it makes a difference, though, in the world. Oh, 100 percent. It does. I, I absolutely think that uh, that is one of the genres where it, it. People talk about that that will be one of the places that AI will come first. And I think that will be a failed experiment. I, no, I really do. And because if, already said that they don't want. Um, that they don't they they that they they want um, 
um, uh, human narrators to come in and the authors to come in and narrate their books. Yeah, you got to. That is one area. If you're going to keep me engaged over the length of a, a five, a 10, a 20, a 30 hour audiobook, I, I Are you familiar with Audible? Yep. Yep. I just, if you're going to, if you're going to keep me engaged over the long, over the long run for a book, you, you've got to have the right voice telling the right story in the right way. And, and I, I am not ready to trust that to computers yet. No. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, uh, mm -hmm. if anybody wants to get a hold of you, um, where can they, uh, find you, um, uh, on, uh, on, are you on, um, X, Facebook, LinkedIn website? I am on all the places. Uh, you can go to the website is markscottvoiceover.com. That's M-A-R-C-S-C-O-T-T, markscottvoiceover.com. I am on X still. <laughs> uh, still think there's some interesting conversations happening there. Uh, I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm on I'm on YouTube. Uh, I'm on all the places. And then, uh, you know, the podcast, uh, the Everyday Viewpreneur podcast is on Apple Podcasts or wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So you can check that out too. Some stuff and um and uh, i will also put a link to the i will also put a link to all of that in the show notes for this conversation and um anybody as well they can uh, if you uh find it there or if it's easier anybody listening wants to they can reach out if you want to reach out to me i'm happy to also provide the information as well and and uh well, I will be back with you on Broadcast Map coming up at the end of the week, before the weekend, when I will be joined by Becky Coles for a part two. We'll be talking a little bit more about the industry and the different platforms as well. So stick around for that. And coming up as well on Spicy Techie, I referred to it earlier, will be Sangeetha Butnagar, um, where we will be talking about that article unlearning and adapting to change. Well, Mark, I really want to take this opportunity to thank you so much for taking some time to join me. And I really hope we can do it. We can do it again in the future. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's always fun to reminisce. Absolutely. And I will remind you, stay tuned. There is always excellent conversation taking place. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening to broadcast map to learn more about the show please visit http colon slash slash alitechgroup.wordpress.com slash broadcast map slash like the broadcast map facebook page by searching broadcast map stay tuned there is always excellent conversation on the way